Welcome to Any Other Business. I'm Rob D with Rob B. And today we're digging into what the reality of being an entrepreneur is really like. You're going to learn why everything you see on Instagram is a lie, why as a business owner, you really need to learn how to love meetings and why Rob B really wants Harvester to sponsor this show. Rob, I want to talk real business, Mm -hmm. real business today. So everybody has an opinion of entrepreneurs. You know, if you say to someone, what's an entrepreneur? They will have an opinion, like they would on any profession. But there seems to be a general consensus on entrepreneurs, a consensus of how things really are. And today we want to explain exactly how things really are. But before we do, it's probably worth talking about how people think entrepreneurs are, are like, what they're like, what they do, how they behave. And that's normally influenced by social media. Yeah, it's um, I saw it described as hustle porn. So <laughs> Gary Vee would be like the ultimate, like the poster child of this. But you see it everywhere, don't you? I don't know when it started, if it's always been this way, but entrepreneurship's been glamorized in a big way. And you get all the like the motivational quotes on Instagram and you sort of like see someone like on their phone outside their private plane and all the rest of it. My experience of entrepreneurship has not been like that. I don't know if I'm doing it wrong, <laughs> but that, but the reality seems to be quite different. But people, there's definitely a, a feeling of glamour around the whole thing in people's minds. Yeah, if you're not standing next to a fast car or a private jet, you're not an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how social media portrays it anyway. I've not, I mean, I've walked past fast cars and I've seen private jets as I've got onto EasyJet, but I'm not, but the the point is that's not the reality. Mm. And actually, if you're swanning around doing all those things all day, when are you actually working? Yeah, and all the work that does get done is always like, it's always deal making or it's like making the big dramatic calls. And that is like, I think it's fair to say the minority of what it's really like. It really is. It, it's not flash. It is normal. It is different possibly to, to what, a day-to-day job would look like whatever a day-to-day job is Mm -hmm. it is different but it's not glamorous and this is not us um, getting the violins out for ourselves and going oh we don't have a glamorous role but it's just that people think it is Mm. and people may get the wrong impression of what they need to work towards so we need to address it so what is business life really like i'd say it's actually a lot more similar in many ways to having any other job than people think in that the days tend to be very structured because if you're busy you need to make sure that you're using your time well so the days are very full but most of it is just meetings and recently of course that's been meetings on zoom and things like that but even when it's meetings in person it's still just sitting in a room talking and so the only difference between that and having a job is maybe you have more decision-making power or you get to say if you don't want the meeting to happen at that time or whatever, you get to make choices around it. But the day-to-day reality, it's kind of more similar, I reckon, than people think. Yeah, it is. You, or you could describe it as dull because it's just meetings. The meetings change, the subject changes, but it's meeting after meeting after meeting. And that is what you probably do for 80% of your time once you're at a scale-up size. Once you're starting up, it's different. You're actually doing a lot. You're doing the work. You're helping write the copy on the website. You are making the sales calls. You are pretty much doing any role that you can think of in a business. You're doing at least some of it. As you get to scale up size, your 
interacting with all parts of the business, but you're doing that via meetings. And actually, it's quite it's quite interesting because I, it's something I really struggled with when we moved from a startup to a scale up. Is that I was like, oh, I feel guilty because all I'm doing is meetings, and I'm not now doing the the grind work and I, i'm not you know writing copy even though my copy was always awful so that was taken off me pretty early but even just getting involved with the the sales team or helping the customer service all those all those things when i stepped away from it i was like oh i feel like i'm i'm being a bit naughty now because i'm not doing that type of work but what i've learned is that actually meeting after meeting after meeting good meetings anyway is quite intensive it is and meetings get a bad rep i think and maybe up to a point rightly so because you definitely in bigger companies probably smaller ones as well actually just get get meetings for the sake of meetings and it didn't need to happen it's it's there for someone's ego to get strokes because they they want to feel important that they're holding a meeting or they're doing updates that could have been given in a more efficient way but so yeah the average person in the average company could probably spend less time in meetings but when it's your business you're in you're just going to be in most meetings and that is normal that's what it is it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong that's probably what you should be doing if you are spending time writing copy then that's not the best use of your time you need to be making higher leverage decisions and so if you don't like meetings going trying to grow a business is probably not a smart idea because that's what most of the day is yeah or just stick at the startup phase yeah that kind of stage but ultimately you move into that more executive role and then it's about not just turning up for meetings but actually making sure you add as much value as possible and then enabling others who are in that meeting to go and do their best work by helping them unlock an idea or solve a problem or whatever it may be or give them a different direction to go in that's where you add the value and actually so we've kind of talked it down a little bit but the amount of value you can pack in in those 20 minute 30 minute hour long meetings however long they are can be quite significant you can also and it still happens do an hour meeting go i've just lost an hour yeah but you do feel that way because Mm. you can only do so many meetings if you do have a bad meeting you do actually resent it and you think i've i've lost an hour and it kind of makes you not want to repeat that experience yeah I think we're we're always conscious of that. So we tend to start most meetings where one of us will say, what do we want to get out of this meeting? Yeah. So you get very clear at the beginning what it's about because you can so easily just have an hour having a nice chat. Yeah, it's um, very easy. And you go, oh, that was okay. It feels like we've just done something. We've talked about the problem. But then you don't know what you were really trying to solve and you don't have an outcome at the end of it. And that is very easy to fall into. So I think we do a decent job of identifying that and catching it and preventing that from happening. But it does still happen. There's not a lot you can do about it. And I think the one you have to be really careful of is the recurring meetings. So if you have one-off meetings, then it's quite easy to go, right, what do we want to get out of this? But there'll be other meetings that happen every single week. And then those meetings can become stale. Mm -hmm. So it's important to go, okay, we've been doing this for a while, but we're not getting as much out of this now. So let's try and do it a different way or change the time length or let's re readjust the agenda to make it more interesting or, yeah. or a, a more productive meeting. So there's meetings, we've established that. There's a lot of meetings. Yes. And currently at the moment, as exciting as it gets is, is it on Hangouts? Is it on Zoom or is it on Teams? You know, that's as exciting as it gets. But we do do other things as well. You have to, and that's around the, the strategic 
grow the strategic vision, thinking strategically. You have to safeguard some time for that. It's not as much as the meetings because you have to enable people, but you need to go and come up with the strategic ideas, vision, problem solving at some point. Otherwise, how are you going to take that to the meetings? Mm. And it's trying to find, trying to do that. That's quite, that's a bit, it doesn't really feel like work if you're, if probably if you're in the right role, that it shouldn't feel like work because that is what you're best at. It's where you add the most value. But it's also the bit that it's easy to stop doing because there's so many other pressures on your time. So because people are asking for things, they want to talk to you, they want you to make a decision about such and such, that ends up getting done because other people are asking for it. But really what you need to do is say, actually, this morning, I'm not going to book anything in and I'm just going to do, I'm either going to do this thing that I need, need, no needs to be done or at the extreme go i'm just going to read a book <laughs> go for a walk like that never happens but it probably would be better if it did happen because then you'll get the bigger ideas um that really you can then take back into the into the rest of the team and t- try to do something with it i have as you very well know a real sense of guilt around this because it's probably one of the things I'm best at is the strategic ideas, vision stuff. But it's one of the things I struggle to allow myself to do because I feel that while at meetings isn't work, that really isn't work. Yeah. Like wandering around, coming up with ideas, that's not work, that's fun. But because it's it's actually really valuable, it's something I should do. And the amount of times I've given myself permission to go on a walk and I've called you on a walk. How many times do I call you with ideas? The percentage of them when I've been on walks. It's a high percentage of those times I'm actually in the middle of a walk and something's come to me. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow. And I don't call to go, we should change the font on the website. It's like normally big, like meaningful ideas. And actually the walk ideas seem better than than normal day-to-day ideas. But even though I know that, even though I know that, I still have guilt around doing it. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's and I think it gets worse as the team gets bigger because it feels like there are more people relying on you, and you feel like the way to help them is to give them attention. I mm. suppose, but even though the, really the best way you can help the business is to have the best ideas, and they're always going to come outside those normal settings because having a change of routine, having a change of scenery, always makes for better ideas anyway. But also when you're having Normally, when you're having a conversation with someone, you're having a meeting, you're having it about a particular thing. And so you're, you've almost like boxed in that discussion because like this is what it's about. But then it might be that that entire conversation doesn't need to happen because you've got this other idea that makes that entire thing irrelevant. But you never get to that because that's not how it's framed. Something you, you said, and I think it's really interesting, is that in, in its place, you can find yourself doing like the, the doing work instead, like picking up the phone calls and answering minor queries so you feel better about what you're doing Mm. you feel like you're adding value you've been always really good at safeguarding time or at least it's always seemed that you've been really good at safeguarding time and being quite good at removing yourself from the the niggly stuff so you can focus on high value things and that's the right thing to do but you've always been good at it can do you know why like why have you always been good at that or at least from me looking at you, it's always seemed like you were good at it. I think there's been a lot. I've definitely found it hard to let go of certain things. My, my, my tendency, I know, is to just jump into the detail of something. So if I see something that can be done, I just want to do it. And 
even if I don't think I can do it any better. So, well, someone needs to do this. I just want to just do it, even if it's not important. And but because I know that that's my tendency, I deliberately keep myself away from certain things. Uh, there are. There are, there are systems in the business that I deliberately don't have a password for because <laughs> I know that if I did, I would go and poke around in it and that would not be a helpful thing to do. So I, I just kind of I keep myself away. And then I also make sure that for the bits that I do still need to do because I can add some value around it, like a marketing thing or whatever. I make sure that I block off a certain amount of time to do that. It's funny because you get into business to do the things that you're best at doing. Mm. Then you end up handing those off to other people. But I still like those. So I go, okay, well, I'm going to have these two or three hours here and turn, uh, mute the phone, turn off Slack, all that, and just do it. Because that's the only way you can get something done. If you if you try to, if it's creative work and so, or something like that, or if it, even if it's like doing some kind of financial model, you can't do that in five minutes here and there, then the phone rings and this happens. You can't make it work. You have to block off that time. And it's hard to do, but you've got to try and control your calendar. In theory, it's that you're you're in your own boss, you're in charge, whatever. But you don't, by default, have control of your own calendar. The business does; other people do. So you have to try and get some of that control back. You do, and you can always tell yourself a story, justify it to yourself why you didn't do it. Well, a client was really unhappy, and and so and so asked me about what we should do. But actually, instead of trying to solve that one problem, that one small fire, why not actually help that person and say, okay, well, I'll. I may help you because you've asked for it, but now let's book out some time to talk about how we deal with these things, a process that we can put in place for solving these problems in future. And that's that strategic time that's well used rather than just going, I'll save you every time. Every time you've got a problem, come to me. That was a real weakness of mine. I love problem solving and I used to love being the super problem solving hero. So when we were smaller, I'd almost encourage people to bring their problems to me mm. because I'd be like, I'll solve them, I'll solve them. And it'd be that endorphins hit, like, oh, help them out again. Oh, help that person. And probably even the ego going, oh, aren't you clever solving those problems? And it was only, it was actually a bit of coaching that helped me realize that and go, wow, you know what? Like, that's not useful. I'm not helping anyone else. The only person I'm helping is myself to make myself feel better. And then it was that transition. It was quick, pretty quick, actually, going, okay, instead of me trying to solve all the problems, let's make other people problem solvers. Mm. And it was game-changing. It was also really difficult because I still like solving the problems and I, I still think I'm pretty good at it. But it's when you get to, you know, 20, 30, 40, you now have 50 people still growing, you can't solve everyone's problems. There's, there's no way you can do that. So it's fair to say that the reality as we're describing it does not accord with the Instagram version of entrepreneurship. But I think I don't understand how maybe that works for some people. Maybe there are some people who have that lifestyle, but I just don't see how you do it because there's actual work to do. There's actual business to be done. So like, not that anyone does ever ask me to give a keynote speech. But if they did, I wouldn't go, yeah, and like cl climb onto my plane and go off and do it because I'd take a couple of days out of your life to go and give that speech. I can't see the value return no. other than serving my ego. If I go and do a two days to do one keynote and it will reach a certain number of people, I can do more in those two days, make bigger strategic decisions, make a bigger impact in the business than I would going on a plane and making a keynote. I might enjoy it. And it's not to say I never, ever will do one because mm. it might be, you know what, I'm going to treat myself. But it's a treat, not a, this is a really good business decision. It's not like, oh, wow, you know, 
um, I've suddenly developed the business by spending two days out there. No, I've developed my ego. And that's okay. We all have egos. There's nothing wrong with having an ego. But just be aware of that. I think it's really, really important. Mm. And, and we are, although we podcast, and we're known for podcasting, and we do YouTube, social media-wise, we actually, we never talked about this before. So we both do very similar things, although we've never discussed why. We don't post about our own personal lives. We don't post anything about any wealth that we may or may not have. We don't talk about our fancy holidays if we have them. Like We just don't do any of that. Why? I want to know why you don't. There's a few different bits to that. So there's the whole like the showing off factor. So like saying I've got this many properties. Like some people like will literally post their bank balance. Like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> why would you do that? I just don't get it. I'd feel really uncomfortable about doing anything like that. So I'll go completely the other way. I just don't want to I don't want to know anyone to know anything about that stuff. Um some people uh, in property they they really dig and they really want to know what your own portfolio looks like as if that's some kind of measure of whether they should take you seriously or not on google suggested terms if they type your name or my name in and then google suggests what people are looking for and what people have been looking for one of the most popular phrases is rob dick's net worth <laughs> rob bent's net worth yeah People also ask my age because obviously I'm looking a bit tired. <laughs> but but people want to know that. It's it's funny, isn't it? And I, I don't resent people for that, but it doesn't define a level of success. And mm. I think the problem is with society now is if you're not standing next to a private jet or you're not leaning on a Lamborghini, that somehow you've not yet been successful. And successful is measured in so many different ways, but that's financially successful. Mm. But I, I actually think that... Those people who go out their way to portray themselves as wealthy, like not sharing holiday snaps because people share holiday snaps and that's because they enjoy it and that's fine. But people who go, look, here I am with a super fast car or here I am living a five-star lifestyle. I actually think they've either got some sort of deep down issues with money that they want to be validated that way. And I feel sorry for them if that's the case. Or they actually haven't got that much money and they want you to think that they have. Yeah. And I don't think either of those things is great. I think there's one other option as well, which is that they're doing it for marketing because they're a, a, probably a sizable chunk of people, which is why you get all this hustle porn stuff who love seeing all that success and aspiring to it. So if someone goes and like leases the Lambo for the day or whatever and everything else and they make out they're successful, then they sell you the course on how you can be like that But as that well. falls into the... I want to make you think I'm wealthy category rather than them actually being it. So for me, it's either they haven't got it, so therefore they do it for what their ego or marketing or mm -hmm. both, or they've got it, but they still feel insecure and they feel that they need validation from people. So the way of getting their validation is going, look how successful I've been. Yeah. But I think, I think there's something deeply wrong there that if you need that, if you need to be constantly praised and constantly told how wonderful you are, then... I think you need to do something more than just buy another fast car or go on another big holiday. You, you need to sort yourself out. Getting deep here, but I, I actually end up feeling more sorry for those people. Mm. I don't. I don't envy them. I actually feel sorry for them. I agree. And um, people who are like doing the whole like posting your bank statement, like the really extreme stuff. I just think that uh, that's just there's just something not right there. No, there's <laughs> definitely something not right there. It sounds like a judgmental thing to say, and it is, but I really do think so. But I'll finish my answer about social. And I want to hear yours. Uh, there, there's definitely that side of things, like feeling really uncomfortable with showing off. But also it's just like that impulse to 
share what I'm doing, even if I was doing anything exciting, just isn't there. And most, whenever I don't like, you see people who are running fairly decent sized businesses who are constantly tweeting or constantly doing stuff on LinkedIn. And I just think, where, how do you have the time to do that? Because I'm running a business that's not as big and I don't have the time to do that. Or if I do get five minutes of downtime, I want to go and like have a nap or something. <laughs> I just, I'm not going to spend my time going and telling everyone what I've just been doing. And so, yeah, I just don't quite get it. I don't know if it's the same for you or not. It's, it's, it's time is definitely a factor because the amount of times I've said to Tracy in marketing, like, give me something to post and I'll post it because I realize it's good for the business if something's posted, not all I wonderful today, here's 10 things I've slayed the world with, like, not like that way, but like, here's something useful that you may enjoy. And we probably should do more of that. But me finding the time to, to come up with something thoughtful to actually post on social just doesn't exist. Because when I have downtime, I'm like you, I'm shattered. And I'm, at that point, I'm not creative and going, ha ha, I know, I'll do something there. I use my creativity in in ways that are going to impact the business the most. And one social media post, for me, is not a good use of my creativity. If you are a social media manager, then that is a great use of your creativity. But when your creativity is spread across different things, that's not a great use for me. I think, for me, generally, I, I've kind of touched on it a little bit. I think it's weird if you have to show how successful you are. I think generally I'm a private person anyway, so it's I'm not wired that way. But I'm also aware or have the self-awareness to know that whenever I'm tempted to do it, I, I'm doing it for what reason? Because I want validation. So I want the likes. If I want to post a picture of my kids or, you know, doing something well, which they do, you know, like everyone's children, and you're really proud of your kids, part of me wants to do it. But I know part of me wants to share it. But I know there's another part of me that goes, now like it, like my kids, like <laughs> this. I'm like, no, that's wrong. So I'll share it in smaller WhatsApp groups with family members and things like that, or other ways. But I don't want to post it on Facebook, not that I'm on Facebook, but I don't want to post it on Facebook for a small section of my family to see it and a load of randoms who I don't even really know, but still want their validation that my kid's done something well this week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm the same. We've, we've talked a bit about before. Like when you realise that they, that tendency is there, it's just really weird in your head. I want to do this, but oh, I'm going to catch myself before I do it. And I guess for most people that filter isn't there and for some people that filter absolutely isn't there and they'll just post really crazy stuff yeah and don't get me wrong people who do that aren't evil or they're not wrong in the head or anything like that social media is primed to make you do that i think i'm probably just got too many self-awareness conversations going on in my head that i end up questioning every single thing i do but that's just part but that's just part of who i am and, and part of the reason why i don't engage on social media mm. having that security of like in yourself is probably very helpful mm. when you're running a business and because you need to be able to take quite a lot of knocks and you need to be not reliant on people's validation you're not going to get it most of the time <laughs> and a lot of the time you're going to be aware that you'll do something that will be unpopular and people will be if they're going to be saying anything being saying negative things about you, you just have to that's how it goes and so if you are comfortable in yourself and you don't need to have that external validation that's probably quite helpful and powerful yeah really powerful so we don't share our lifestyles and we're not going to start today but we can talk about it yeah because there's a perception of lifestyle and we poo-pooed that and we talked about what we do day-to-day -day in business. But what does your lifestyle look like 
outside of business. So we talked about the lifestyle of running a business and mm. what it's really like. What is your lifestyle outside of that world? What What is the glamorous world of Rob Dix? Oh, man, there's um, you're working on the the assumption that there is something outside business. Because <laughs> like, like, I think people can maybe, some people will want to pursue entrepreneurship because it seems like the easy option. Because if you've got a job, then you have to be there at a certain time until a certain time. It takes up the majority of your day. And it's like, oh, this feels like hard work. If I work for myself, I don't have to do that. I can just float around and do whatever I want. But in reality, I think you end up working more and needing to have more discipline if you are doing your own thing. But when I had a job just a long time ago now, I'd go out most nights quite late, get up like just before I had to leave in the morning, roll in a bit late quite a lot of the time. Rob, the team are going to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Oh, this is in the music industry, so it's acceptable. Oh, okay. Um, but, and and I could, and if I sort of, and if I was a bit hungover for half the day, it wasn't really a big deal. But now it's like, well, we start at seven o'clock at least one day a week because we've got more energy in the morning. So if I was going out and being hungover and like missing half the next day, then that would like set everything back by a really long way. You've got all this stuff we want to do, so it does take up a huge amount of your week. But then in terms of away from business, there's not a lot of glamour, like nice lifestyle go, go when you can go on holiday go on holiday and that's fine but it's there's this i don't think there's any luxury and i don't know if i really aspire to any luxury i don't think you particularly do either okay before we get on to me one more question then talk about that luxury if the business was a hundred times bigger let's go big it's a hundred it's it's the right size already but it's a hundred times bigger and you financially benefited from that. What changes in your lifestyle then? Not a lot. I'm really, I can't think of. You know, people will be watching this and going, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I really can't think of a lot because I think that there's a, we're doing all right. And so I've kind of got to a point where it's like everything's fine. And then everything could always be a bit better. But then if you just try to get into making everything perfect, so. Oh, it would be so. I like going on holiday to this place, and when we do, I'll well, sort of stay. Wouldn't it be great if I could own that place? So I'll buy it, then I can just leave all my stuff there, and I don't don't have to do anything else. Okay, but then you've got all the hassle of dealing with owning that place, and ah, oh, I don't know. I don't think you could ever get to the point where you can't. You can never make everything perfect. You can't use money to make your life absolutely ideal, because even if you did, you'd then shift the goalposts and start wanting even more again. So. I don't think that's, I think it's worth wanting the business to be bigger because of the impact you can have or even just for the challenge, for the sense of achievement. But doing it just for the money when you get up to a certain level, I don't see the benefit. No, and neither do I. And there are numerous studies that show that once you get to a certain level of income, that beyond that, your happiness doesn't grow. So once you've got away from money worries, then the happiness sort of tails off like or, or plateaus it doesn't go any further and i really buy into that i believe in it i've got a nice lifestyle but i don't think buying another thing or an, an another item shiny item is going to make me any happier um, i i i kind of just don't buy into that things don't make you happy experiences for me make me happy and studies show make most people happy and I spend my money on experiences. So my current lifestyle is like eating out, 
but not at Michelin Star Restaurants. Love the Harvester. If you want to sponsor us, feel free. <laughs> um, but I love the Harvester. I love that salad buffet. Go to some nicer restaurants too. But I just love the experience of eating out with friends and family. So if I had 100 times more wealth, Eat hundred times more food. Yeah, that's be even bigger. Like it's like it's not. There's no benefit. I like holidays, but you can only go on so many a year. So I don't think a lot would change. Now it's naive to say nothing would change because, of course, it would. But I don't think it'd be dramatic changes. Mm. And I think that's what a lot of people wrongly believe that once I have this, I'll be happy. Yeah. And it's, you're not going to be happy. You might enjoy the journey to earning that thing, and you might be enjoy the process hopefully you do but if you think that buying the sports car or buying the holiday home is the the key to unlock your what is current unhappiness to the world of happiness i'll save you the time it's not going to happen no there are a lot lot of very very wealthy very very unhappy people out there yeah i know a lot of them Mm. so you get i think money is great for removing pain up to a certain point so like if you can get to a point where you don't have to worry about money i think that's massive because worrying about money is really not fun yeah it's rubbish i've been there yeah so you so if you can get past that and you get to a point where materially everything's good and your day-to-day your day-to-day is really nice then any further that if you if you want to go from like removal of pain to making everything perfect and feeling fulfilled that's not the way to do it and if you do start going well I now need to have the the flash car or a whole garage full of flash cars or whatever. Then, why are you doing that? Maybe, maybe if cars are your thing and that is your your hobby, your passion, your whatever, fine. But otherwise, are you doing it to get validation from other people, or are you doing it to try and get validation from yourself? A lot of the time, it's going to be one of those two things. Yeah, it is. I mean, I remember that the happiness movement for me was when I'd go out to a restaurant and I started looking at the left of the menu rather than the right. <laughs> and I was like, instead of going, what's the cheap uh, main course? I was like, what do I want? Mm. And knowing that I could always look at the left and not have to worry about the right was like, that was really liberating for me. And yeah. when that happened, it was like, wow, that's a massive moment. And that gave me a lot of happiness. But it's just simple things like that, that get you the happiness, not I need to own the restaurant. Yeah. Exactly, and even if you go back to all the the Instagram stuff, if you're and you're you're doing the like the 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 private jet lifestyle and it's all glamorous, like you could you could have that you could have all those things you could have that experience, but you could have a really miserable time having that experience if you haven't got things right in your own head. The outside of reality is the same, but your experience of it can still if you haven't got everything sorted mentally, can will still be awful. Like you'll you'll have all your same problems, but you'll just have all your same problems on a tropical island or something <laughs> i've been with a lot of people who have been in the same situation with them and they've crafted an instagram moment that i'm like wow i wish i was there but i was <laughs> like that it looks amazing what you've just done but it's not real yeah and that's what people have to remember the entrepreneurship that's portrayed on social media is not real it's no. not real and you know what you probably even though you may think you do want it to be real you probably don't because it's not going to make you any happier and those people posting probably aren't that happy either no but you know i think we've we've talked a lot about what entrepreneurship isn't and the the seeming advantages that it doesn't give you but for me the one thing that it massively does give is having control i think i don't know if, if i was going to say freedom but i don't know if freedom is quite the word because we've already talked about how you're 
you're, we actually don't have that much. You can't just wake up today. And go, oh, what am I going to do? Because uh, you've got you've probably planned that week at least a few weeks in advance, and so you know you ha- have to do these things. But you do, I suppose, you do have the freedom to change that if you don't like it and make those changes. But it's also just being in being in control of things, being in a position where you can't just get fired one day, and you can't have other people making decisions about your life. For me, that is the reason that I would never want to do anything else. Yeah, for me, I hate being told what to do. Yeah. No, there is that. But also I like creating things. It allows me to do the thing I enjoy the most. Even when you're starting up and you have to do all those different roles, you are still creating them. You're creating those roles. You're creating those tasks. You're creating the space to bring someone else in. So it's still creation. So in, it gives us things in different ways, but it does give. And yeah, if it's come across that we're anti-entrepreneurship we're not but it's not a world of glamour i absolutely love it and would not want to do anything else and it scares me that one day i might not be an entrepreneur because i don't know what else i'd do that would give me so much happiness Mm. and i think i always will be and in whatever scale but it's a wonderful thing but it's not wonderful for everyone so rob we dispelled some of the myths around entrepreneurship we made very clear how boring we are but Assuming we haven't put everyone off completely before you get to that point, you need to have the idea. You need to get things started. So that's what we're going to talk about next time. And we'll see you next time for that one. Well, that is it. Another episode of Any Other Business done. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your support so early in this podcast. Yes, if you're listening to these, you are the early adopters. You are the hardcore if you're going back and listening to the archives. So thank you so much for your support. And if you really would like to support us, then we'd love an iTunes review or a review anywhere you think is relevant. It really does help the show out and it helps us reach as many people as possible. And of course, if you want to go further, you can share it on your socials too. But any sort of support is very welcome. We'll be back with another exciting episode next week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.